to look at the scriptures. I hope you get your copy of God's Word. We're looking in 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. I want to talk tonight for a little bit about a formula that brings relief. All right? A formula that brings relief. How many have ever wanted the Bible to give you a magic formula that if you did it, it would work? It'd be one, two, three, boom, and you got it. Wouldn't that be cool? Come on now, don't you think that'd be cool? The trouble with being a Christian, sometimes it's just hard to figure out how to go about doing it. Would you agree with that? And the situations change and you kind of wonder, what, I wonder what the Lord want me to do here. And it doesn't seem like there's a set template to use for everything. And uh, By the way, that's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I just thought I'd let you know that. I don't think he wants you to have a set template. I think he wants you to walk in the Spirit. That's why he makes you do it that way. You all know that? I hope you do, but I want to give you a formula that kind of helps in life a little bit. You know, in the age in which we live, there's such an emphasis now on success and self-promotion. People polish their public image. They, oh, you know, we got a society in which now looking good is more important than being good. You agree with that? Uh, we live in a society now that, uh, you know, when the, uh, you have a good impression is more important than having integrity, according to some. Uh, you know, we live, in a, we live in a really unique age, I would think. Uh, yet, you know, people aren't satisfied. Uh, we, we hear all this success stuff and people try it and it doesn't seem to bring any satisfaction. We... We wonder why we live such a kind of a life. I don't know how to use spell that word, but anyways, you can you can look it up. It just doesn't seem like it works. And we go and we buy tapes and read books and go to seminars and do all that stuff, and just kind of leaves us empty. Um, the irony of it is. I read some quotes this week off the internet on success. There's never enough success, success, one writes, in anyone's life to make one feel completely satisfied. And I thought, wow, somebody's finally getting it. One wrote this, the road to success is always under construction. I thought that sounded pretty good. Um, I read another guy that said, I broke a mirror the other day and I had seven years bad luck. My lawyer thinks he can get me five. At first, you don't succeed. <laughs> we have a lot in common. <laughs> I thought that was pretty clever. Uh, the elevator to success is out of order. You have to use the stairs one step at a time. Amen. I thought that was pretty good. A successful man is one who makes more money than his wife can spend. <laughs> that was a good quote. A successful woman is one that can find such a man. <laughs> Come on. Don't you think that's pretty good? I got them both laughing that time. That's good. Instead of fulfillment, we experience, I believe, kind of a bloated sensation of being full of ourselves. Our dreams, our goals, our plans, our projects, our accomplishments, and the result of all this it seems as nausea. It doesn't really satisfy. 
The Executive Digest wrote, the trouble with success is that the formula is the same as one for a nervous breakdown. Isn't that interesting? Now, one thing I don't think our society has ever learned is enough is enough. There's always got to be more. If you're hung up on any of those kind of things, the pursuit of success, let me just say it's very deceptive, and to be quite honest with you, it has mirages, empty promises, and depressing disappointments. And it sure does. Johnny Cash wasn't far off. I like Johnny Cash. Amen. No, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> Look. Johnny Cash said it this way. He said, if you don't have any time for yourself, any time to hunt, and any time to fish, you're a success. That's a crummy life, isn't it? Come on, think about it. Isn't that a crummy life? Well, <clears throat> we're going to talk about the world's promise of success. And today, when you read Madison Avenue and places like that, they say success falls into four categories. The first one is fortune. Uh, the Fortune 500 list every year. It's always interesting to see who the richest is. By the way, I've never been on that list. I just thought I'd throw that out. Uh, you probably haven't either, I don't think. By the way, I don't think there's anything wrong with getting money, honestly. Do you believe that? Honestly is good. I don't think God's against you having money if you get it honestly. Uh, to be quite honest with you, there's certainly nothing wrong with investing and giving and spending money when your motive's right, when your heart is pure. But you know, if you think you're going to find true happiness in money and fortune, it'll never happen. I, I personally, I call me a heathen, I personally enjoy the Eagles. I like the Eagles. You say, Pastor, I have no idea who the Eagles are. Well, like Eagles. unfortunately, your life has never been completed yet. <laughs> if you've never heard Hotel California, you have not lived long enough in this world. That's a great I love listening to that, and I, you know, I should not be that way, but one of their later stars was a guy named Joe. By the way, he could pick and grin. I mean, he could flat do it. Ain't no doubt about that. He talked about the worst part of success. He said the worst part of success is that a lot of things that come along with it, you really don't know uh, you're going to get it in the, in the package. There are some distractions like money, drugs, women, partying. You get a royalty check and you go to a new car and then you party and then you get high and then you forget what you got there in the first place. And it's kind of an ego stuff. He said when you're wrong, it's really easy to lose your perspective, which I did. Really losing sight of what you are and who you are. I started believing that I was who everybody thought I was, which was a crazy rock star. You know, life's been good. That's the story. It took me away from working my craft. Me and a lot of the guys I ran with, we were party monsters. And it was a real challenge to stay alive at the end of, at the end of all of that. The interviewer then asked, he said, so many of your friends from that era like Keith Moon and John Belushi, they didn't make it. Why do you think you somehow survived it? He said, you know, I don't know. 
He said, I wonder every day. People often ask me if I believe in God, and I kind of have to because I'm still here. I hadn't planned to live this long, but I did. Now, you think his fortune, he has any idea what his money's about, where he's, what he's doing? Doesn't sound like it, does it? The world says it's fortune. Some say it's fame. 15 minutes of fame. That's what the state statement we use. That person has their 15 minutes of fame. Fame says to be successful, you got to be known in the public arena. Is that really what success is? To be a, a celebrity, you've got to be a social somebody. Uh, fame equates popularity with significance. So fame and fortune, how about power? Power says that you got to be successful. You need to wield a lot of authority. You got to flex your muscles. You got to take charge. You got to be in control. Carry a lot of weight. Push yourself to the front. Demand respect. Power, fame, fortune. How about pleasure? Pleasure implies that to be successful, you need to be able to do whatever feels good. It's the philosophy if it feels good, do it. It's that Epicurean principle. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you may die. Goes all the way back to the time of Paul. Some say it's in, found in pleasure. You say, Pastor, what's the problem with fortune and fame and pleasure and, and power? What's the problem? It's horizontal, 100%. There's absolutely nothing vertical to it. By the way, you'll never be a success in life if you leave God out. Amen. You better have a vertical part of you. There's got to be a vertical dimension. Otherwise, your life's not worth living because the horizontal never satisfies. It's always the vertical where satisfaction comes. Now, we're going to talk tonight about what God's plan was. That brought relief. And we're going to look in a couple of verses. It won't take us long to look at these verses, but there's a lot in them. We're looking in 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're reading in verse 5. You got it? All right, let's, let's look at it together. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Isn't that interesting? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due season. That's that fame, that fortune, that pleasure, that power. Remember? He goes on, verse number seven, casting all your care upon him because he what? He cares for you. Now, we didn't read verse five, so let's read verse five. I skipped it. Isn't that terrible? He says, likewise, you younger, submit yourselves Unto the elder, ye all of you, yea, all of you be subject one to another, be clothed with humility. God resists the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. Now, the world's strategy is pretty simple. You climb the ladder to success, and you keep climbing, and you keep climbing, <laughs> and you keep climbing. I heard a joke, and this is, this is a stupid joke, but I'll tell it anyway. It's, a, it's about a guy that was climbing the ladder of success, and he got up to one level, and there's a beautiful woman there, and he thought he'd reached the epitome. And this beautiful woman says, you're here. 
and I'm yours, take me. And he said, nope, I got to climb the ladder of success. So he went up another flight and he climbed the ladder a little farther. He got a little farther up and there was another beautiful woman. She says, you're here, you've made it, take me. He says, no, I've got to climb the ladder of success. And he climbs another ladder and goes up even higher. And finally he comes to the most beautiful woman he's ever laid eyes on. She said, you've made it, I'm yours. He said, nope, I've got to climb the ladder of success. So he climbs the next ladder and there's a sweat, a sweaty, fat, ball-headed, middle-aged man. He says, hey, my name's Seth. Success. <laughs> My name says, <laughs> wouldn't that be disappointing? Uh, by the way, how many people do you think get disappointed when they finally get to where they think they're going to be? I finally got him. What do you got? A sweaty, fat, old, bald-headed guy. That's about as good as it gets. What about God's plan? Is that the way God's plan works? Well, we're going to look at that. We're going to spend some time here. God's got an ancient plan that's a lot different than that. And Peter lays it out for us, and he kind of says, all right, these are the three areas that you got to kind of work over, all right? So let's start with the first one. We're going to call them all A's because that's easier to remember, right? Alliterated is easier to remember. Would you agree with that? First thing he says, submit to authority. Submit to authority. Now let's look and see what he says in this verse. He says, likewise you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Isn't it interesting here that Peter's first advice of counsel is the idea of submitting ourselves to those who may be wiser than what we are. You know, a lot of times younger people don't want to submit to older people, do they? Younger people don't, look with respect upon somebody that's been around and has a little experience. And yet the Bible says in this passage, the younger needs to submit unto the elder. Isn't that amazing? Submission to authority. Scripture says, clothe yourself. Notice, clothe yourself with humility. That's kind of a rare word. It's not used very often in the Bible. It's the idea of a servant that puts on an apron. It's the idea of a servant that uh, works in a house and he begins to put this apron on so that he can work in the house. And it could be from reading this, maybe this is that passage where Peter looks back on Jesus and he says, I remember that time in John chapter 13 where Jesus took a towel and he wrapped himself in a towel and he went around and began to wash feet. You see, Jesus clothed himself with a towel and he got a basin of water and he went from disciple to disciple and maybe that old fisherman here, he's remembering that time when Jesus washed his feet and Peter kind of crabbed at him a little bit. Scripture says, if you look carefully in verse five, he says, be subject one to another. Underline that be subject there. It's in a present tense verb. Basically, it's the idea of keep on being subject. Don't just do it once. Don't 
Don't go around one time and find some elder that you can be subject to. Now, this is the idea of doing it again and again and again and again. Glean all you can. Get all you can from the experience of the elder. Submit yourself and keep on doing it. That's the idea. He says, if you really want to have a great life, if you really want to live the way you ought to live, he says, be subject to. Make it an ongoing lifestyle choice. Make it something you don't do just once, but you do it all the time. He says, clothe yourself with humility. I brought something tonight, and this is a perfect illustration of being clothed with humility. Come on, Ryan. We had a little deal in our Sunday school classes about the Braves and the Dodgers. And so tonight, Ryan's going to show us a vivid <laughs> illustration of being clothed with humility. Let me help you. Oh, man. Let me help you. All right. <laughs> That's really close. <laughs> now, let me ask you a question. Didn't that L.A. look good on him? Come on. Don't you brave fans act that way. He lost fair and square. And the bottom line is, hey, Josh, get up here and get a good picture. It's going on Facebook. We got a church website. We got to make that L.A. show up. <laughs> got to get a picture right here. He's showing us how you're clothed with humility. He lost, I won. All right, did you get the, hey, get, this is over here too. Oh, no, what's Right here, that? right here. You got to get this right here, Dodgers. Oh, man. All here right, there you go. Hold it out there. All right, go, go sit down. <laughs> Don't you take that off. It's a present tense, keep being clothed. <laughs> Didn't you like that? How'd you like the way I worked that in my sermon tonight? Wasn't that good? Come on, don't you think that's good? <laughs> I'll show you one on me. I'll show you one on me. I want to show you my Walmart. This is my Walmart deal. Yeah, this is, yeah, it does. This is what I got when I worked at Walmart. When you walked into Walmart, there I was. It's got my name right there. Yeah. You know, the amazing thing about awareness it was the different reactions I got when people would walk in. You know, every once in a while, we'd have yuppie-type folks that would come in. I'd say, good morning. Welcome to Walmart. Thanks for shopping with us. Spend a lot of money here. I need the help. Well, I'd say all kinds of stuff to them. They'd walk out with a full buggy, and I'd say, you're the Walmart shopper of the day, $410. You won the prize. <laughs> and I'd give them a happy face. And you know the amazing thing was? Even the snotty ones would smile <laughs> after a while. You know, I, I, I told a couple of preacher friends, they said, what are you doing? I said, well, I got this deal at Walmart. You're working at Walmart, serious? I said, yeah, it's good, honest work. I go down there and they pay me 11 bucks an hour and I stand there and I do what I got to do so I can get my Social Security and my, my Medicare. Seriously, you're a greeter at Walmart? Really? You know what their problem was? They wouldn't wear the vest. That's right. 
It amazed me. I've met some church people. Pastor, you, church doesn't pay you enough? I said, that's right. I said, them sorry deacons are cheap. I didn't say that. All the deacons. You know, it's amazing what this little yellow vest can do. It was good for me. You know why? Putting it on said, be clothed with humility. Oh, I had more fun than I should have been able to have. I had a, I got my smiley faces. Come see me afterwards. That's the only free thing you'll ever get at Walmart. That's it right there. Oh, I had a good time. I wouldn't have done it if I didn't have a good time. I even have a good time pastoring a church. I try to. But let me tell you something. Being clothed with humility sometimes is a conscious decision that's hard to make. I had somebody ask me, they said, what are you doing that for? And I said, because it's a decision that will last for a long time, I hope. Oh, I don't mind getting my insurance. And if it means wearing a yellow vest, it's okay. It's hard to do that, you know that? Come on, smile at me. Amen. Smile at me. It's true. It's true. We don't like to be humble. It, does, it, it goes crossways against the grain. We'd rather promote ourselves. We'd rather be exalted. And the Bible says, notice what the Bible says here. It says, it says be clothed with humility because God resists the proud. You know, he's quoting there from, you may not write, write this in your Bible. He's quoting there from Proverbs 3, 34 and 35. And, and the writer's going all the way back to the Old Testament. He's taking one of those Proverbs and he's taken and he says, you know why you need to be clothed with humility? Because God always resists the proud. Why does God hate pride so much? Because it was the first sin that he had to deal with with Satan. And what's the opposite of humility? You got it. You got it. So he says, make sure you clothe yourselves. Put your apron on and keep doing it. Keep doing it. Well, he says, submit to authority. Then he says, all right. He says, humble yourself under God's mighty hand. Let's look at that just for a second. It says, verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. You know, when you study the hand of God, the hand of God normally in the Bible symbolizes two things. One is discipline. The other is deliverance. For example, the Bible says in Exodus 3 in verse number 20, it says, I'll stretch out my hand, I'll smite Egypt with my wonders, and I will do it in the midst thereof. After that, they will let you go. God says, when I get done with my hand on Egypt, when I smite them with my wonders, they'll let you out of there. 
It says in Job 30, verse 21, he says, Thou art become cruel to me with a strong hand. Thou opposest thyself against me. The Bible says in Psalm 32, verse 4, For night and day thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture was turned into drought of summer. Selah. Think about that. David said, when I was living away from God, he said, I could feel his hand upon me. And it was almost like he took all my vitals and my juice from my body. Isn't that amazing? Well, sometimes in the scriptures, it's deliverance. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 9, 26, I prayed therefore unto the Lord. And I said, O Lord, destroy not thy people with thine inheritance, which thou hast redeemed through thy greatness, which thou hast brought forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Exodus, or excuse me, Ezekiel 20, verse 34 says, I will bring you out from this people. I will gather you from the countries wherein you're scattered with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and with fury poured out. You see, when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and we willingly accept his discipline for our good and his glory, then we begin to acknowledge his deliverance that comes in his way and in his time. In other words, we don't manipulate people or events. We willingly accept his discipline for our good and his glory. In other words, we refuse to hurry the timing. We let God at his pace do what he's going to do. And we humbly submit ourselves to that hand that mighty hand of God. I've got to confess that sometimes God's timing is slow. Wouldn't you? There's been a few times I've said, Lord, hurry up. I'm tired of waiting. I want to see you do something. And sometimes God just kind of smiles and said, hey, I'm God and you're not. In our dog-eat-dog -dog society, if something isn't happening as quickly as we want it to, there are ways we get the ball rolling. And we live in a society where, where there's people to call, there's strings to pull, there's strong-arm uh, strategies that make things happen. And by the way, initially they're impressive, but in the long run, when we adopt those methods, we always regret it. I've always found that God does such a better job than I do. Haven't you found that to be true? It's kind of cool to sit back and watch him do his thing. And you only see that when you're willing to wait. Maybe that's why the book of Isaiah chapter 40 says, but they that wait upon the Lord. Hard to wait sometimes, isn't it? Well, when we begin to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand in our job, in our vocation, in our profession, when we don't get the raise or promotion we think that we deserve, when the position that we once given to somebody else, are you listening to me? That's hard to take, isn't it? Kind of like David who was promised to be the next king of Israel and Saul tries to kill him. And Saul chases him for seven years. 
seven years. Do you remember that? And David sits out there with sheep. Is that boring or what? And he sings to them. And he plays psalms to them. And all that time that David thought he was wasting time, he's writing scriptures. Isn't God unusual the way he can work things? Yeah. Maybe God had to leave him alone just so that he could accomplish all those things God wanted him to accomplish during those silent years, those years of notoriety that didn't accomplish much. Well, the Bible says that God wants us to submit to our authorities. The Bible says that God wants us to be clothed with humility. But notice something else. He's not going to talk about anxiety. Anybody ever have any anxiety in this room? You ever, you ever put your, your hand on your waist like Martha and say, get Mary in there right now. Come on, you ever been there? Get her buns in there. I don't care if it's right now. Anytime in the next 20 seconds is good. Now, let's look and see what this says. This is interesting. The scripture says, humble yourselves. And then he says, cast your care, your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. What was the question that Mary asked? Lord, don't you care? And the answer to that question is, well, of course I care. What you haven't learned is how to cast your cares on me. The word cast is an interesting word. I brought my bag tonight. This bag right here has been everywhere. It's got more frequent flyer miles than most people do, you know, I promise you. I carry this bag on my back, and it, that rascal is heavy. I don't even know if I can get it on. I hate this bag. I wear this on my back like this, and sooner or later, it starts sweating right in here. And you can feel that sweat running down the small of your back. It's not a comfortable thing. I don't like that. And we was going through China the last time, and we was walking through that airport. That's the longest stinking airport I think I've ever walked through. And you walk, and you walk, and you walk. We was looking where you got on the, the subway. So I got my bag. I'm pushing my bag on wheels, and I got this thing on my back. This thing's got a computer in it that's an old computer, and it's heavy. And that rascal, man, by the time you take this thing down and you, you walk with this thing after a while, the only thing you're thinking about is, when can I take that stupid bag off? We finally went down the stairs, got on a subway. You know, the first thing came off? And I cast my bag down. By the way, the scripture says, what do you do with your anxiety? You cast it on the Lord. You take those anxieties and you cast it on him. You know what most Christians do? We've got that bag on, we just keep wearing it. Lord, I can handle this. This ain't no problem for a stepper like me. I got it. 
And we wonder why our life is so yucky. Come on, are you listening to me? He said, what do you do with your anxieties? He says, you cast them on the Lord. If you're carrying a heavily loaded backpack, either while you're hiking or mountain climbing or marching in the military, there's nothing quite as wonderful as when the leader says, let's take a break. Let's put those packs down. Let's cast those packs down to the ground. And the Bible here uses that picture, release your burden. Drop it. Let it fall off your back. That's the way you live. He says you got to handle whatever success may God that, that God may bring your way and provide you with relief by allowing you to take your anxieties and to cast it, to throw it upon, is the idea. You throw it upon the Lord. I gave you a, like a mathematical equation on your paper there. It says submission plus humility minus worry equals relief. How many of you see that? Verse 5 is submission. Verse 6 is humility. Verse 7 is worry. That's a pretty great way to live your life, isn't it? He said, how do you like relief? He said, here's how you do it. Submit to authority, right? If you look carefully at your equation, you submit to authority, you, you add in there humility, and then you get rid of your worries. And he said, that's the way you get relief in your life. Now, let's talk about how do we get that kind of life? I mean, how do you make that kind of a change? How many of you become pretty good at carrying all your problems? You want to know how you know when you're carrying all your problems? Seriously, look up here now. I want to look at your eyeballs. You want to know how you know when you carry most of your problems? You don't sleep good. You toss and you turn. You let them little rascals kind of roll in there and you wake up about four or five times a night and you're thinking about them. Oh, how do you know about that, Pastor? I've done that before. I've done that before. The Bible says that God gives his saints sleep. Check it out. Read the Psalms. God doesn't expect you to worry about your problems all night long. He expects you to sleep. Come on, smile at me up here. I'm up here. I just ought to let you know. Some of you are looking at the floor right now. How do you make those kinds of changes? First, you got to get direction so we can know to whom we should submit. Should submit. Let's understand, if you start submitting to everybody, if you start trying to please everybody, you are in for instant frustration. There are some people in this world, honestly, you should never follow. There are some folks that you should never watch. There are some writings you should not read. There's some songs you shouldn't sing. There's some ministries you shouldn't support financially. Well, who do you model? Who do you emulate? Paul said, you follow me as I follow Christ. That's it right there. 
We need to have direction from God. So we begin to say, Lord, direct me to the right ones to whom I should submit to. Help me to submit to the elders. Help me to submit. And it's not necessarily talking about old people. It's talking there about spiritually mature. Who are those kinds of people in my life? Well, secondly, we need the dis enough discipline to restrain our hellish pride. Pride will rear its ugly head. There's no doubt about it. And the more successful you get, the stronger the temptation comes to kind of rely upon the flesh. And I, I use that word hellish pride because that's exactly what it is. Pride will whisper, promote yourself. Pride will whisper, hey, look pious. Pride will tell you when to manipulate, how to intimidate. And we need to discipline ourselves from being the, our own best deliverers. You ever delivered yourself? You say, Pastor, how do you, how do you get that humility? Well, let me show you a couple of verses. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, For I say through the grace given unto me every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think, listen, soberly. As God hath dealt to every man a major faith. Real humility in your life is a realistic appraisal of yourself. I heard about a woman that went to the photographer and she said, I, I need some photographs taken. And he took some photographs and they brought back all the photographs and she looked at all of them. She said, these photographs don't do me justice. And he smiled and he said, lady, you don't need justice. You need mercy. And if the truth was known, there's a lot of folks in this room need some mercy. <laughs> yes or no? Amen. We don't need any justice. We need mercy, don't we? He said, be realistic. Don't think more highly of yourself than what you are. Be realistic in who you are. If you read 1 Peter chapter 5, he says, you humble yourselves under God's mighty hand, that he'll lift you up in due time. You see, I believe that humility is not only living with a realistic assessment of yourself, but it's the result of rejecting pride in your life. Peter knew something about pride, didn't he? Is he a guy that ever boasted? Lord, I don't know about the rest of these guys, but I'll always follow you. Did he ever say that? Lord, listen, I'll tell you what, got to be a better way than going to the cross. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Yes or no? Amen. Lord, I don't know about these other guys, but I'll never deny you. I won't pray with you, but I won't deny you either. Lord said, you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. Peter knew something about boastful pride. Did he not? Boy, did he ever pay a price for that? I always love the gospel of Mark because most scholars say that Mark got all of his information from Peter. And when it comes in the gospel of Mark, when you read about P 
Peter's denial. There's more information in Mark than any of the other Gospels. Can you imagine old Peter sitting there and telling Mark all those stories? And he said, well, you might as well get it from the horse's mouth. Let me tell you how it happened. Come on, don't you think that's kind of cool? Third thing I'd say is this, we need discernment so we can detect the beginning of anxiety. Did you catch the way I said that? We need to detect the beginning of anxiety. I'm really good at detecting the end of it <laughs> or the middle of it. How many know what I'm talking about? That anxiety kind of lays on you and you kind of feel yucky for a while and you kind of wonder, what in the Sam Hill is going on? And then it begins to dawn on you what is going on. You think, well, good night. I should be casting that on the Lord. I want to have enough discernment to detect it when it starts, not when it gets a good foothold. Would you agree? So this, this scripture says that we can find it. We can put fingers on it. It's kind of fuzzy. It's kind of slimy, but it... It, it nags us and it gets us down, but that's the beginning of heavy anxiety and we need discernment how to detect it and identify it and how to get to the root of it so we can deal with it. And Peter says, man, the quicker you cast it upon the Lord, the better off your life is. Well, let me ask you some questions tonight. You're not caught up in the world's idea of success, I hope. Fame, fortune, right? I hope not. I hope tonight you'll look at your scriptures and you say, man, I need to submit to authority. I hope this evening you'll look at this passage and you'll say, you know, I need to be clothed with humility because God always resists the proud. And then, you know, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God because God exalts us in due season. And then cast your cares. It's a great way to live. Come on. Amen. Would you agree? It's a great way to live. I guess my question would be, why don't we? Why don't we? Sounds pretty simple to me. It's hard to put the yellow vest on, isn't it? Come on, it's hard to put the yellow vest on, isn't it? A lot better to be in control instead of staying it. Thank you for shopping at Walmart. <laughs> Smile at me. Or man, am I a Dodger fan. <laughs> Don't you dare take my thing and throw it away. I want my Dodger uniform back. I'm going to wear it Tuesday night. <laughs> oh, I wish Sarah Redding was here. I'd love to get her going. She's the most obnoxious Braves fan I've ever met. She needs to humble herself under the mighty hand of the Dodgers. 
By the way, if I want that repeated, I'll do it myself, all right? <laughs> Just go. thought I'd tell you that right now. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. We're grateful for the Word of God tonight. Thank you for allowing us in on some of your ancient advice on how to live life. Lord, it's a shame we don't take you up on it. Lord, help us to submit to authority. You've told us in this passage as we've read, read through 1 Peter all the different folks that we're supposed to submit to. Lord, it's not really that difficult to know who to submit to, but Lord, sometimes it's just hard to submit. And Lord, when we think about being humble, man, it's a lot more fun being proud. Sometimes we struggle with that. And God, when we think about our anxiety, I have no idea why we'd rather miss a good night's sleep than to just cast it upon you. 